All right, everyone, welcome to Tonecast number 69. I'm Brian Porter, and I'm here at the shop recording again. Excited to kind of make sure we're getting back into more consistent shows. Today, I'm going to have uh, Mitch from Emerson Custom uh, on our, our show today, and enjoyed that conversation that we had with Mitch, and just kind of talking about all things that we've been covering this year is you know, how you're dealing with uh, the pandemic, um, a little bit about business history and kind of where where we want to go as a business and that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of a fun just sit down and and uh, shoot the breeze with Mitch. And we'll get to that conversation in a minute. Um, do want to mention our pickup chooser? If you go to our website, you'll see all sorts of information about the pickup chooser. Fill that out. We'll send you a recommendation on some sets of pickups to try or to do more research on. And we've had a lot of people sending multiple choosers in, which is totally fine. You, if you've got multiple gu- guitars and you want to uh, recommendations for each of them, go ahead and send multiple choosers in. Um, you can also attach photos on there so we can see photos of your guitar and recommend some cover options or look type things if you're, you know, do, should I put chrome or raw nickel on this this pickup? Um, we'll help you out with that if, if you want our suggestion, but feel free not to take it, uh, definitely. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's something we always kind of push on here, but we're really excited about it and it's been a very helpful tool for customers and for us to, to really dial in some great great options for your guitar and it's no obligations. You can, you can uh, take and do with the information what you will, but that's something that we, uh, we value as a company is helping you out and finding that, uh, that right set for, uh, for your guitar. So before we get into that, uh, interview with Mitch, I, I do want to say that we can finally start talking about our new release that we've been teasing here for most of the last probably two months in the podcast, we kind of said, hey, we got something in the works. We got something in the works. And and like anything, there's there's delays and there's different ways to release a product now in this weird time that we're in. There's there's not like a, you know, we're not waiting for a NAM show that's not going to happen. And we're kind of saying, you know, how do we want to announce what we're doing for this next phase of Porter and how do, how do we want to share this product? So the podcast is going to be a way that we're going to talk more in depth about it um, as far as Main marketing stuff is going to be very simple, very um, low-key videos and, and tones and all that stuff. But the podcast will allow us just more long-form um, story, I guess, to talk about kind of what we're doing with our new release and, and why we created it and why you might be interested in it. So that's coming up. Hopefully, we will have an episode next week dedicated to the new release. I think we can go ahead and start pushing some information out Um getting closer and closer. So I'm super excited. But uh, before we go any further, let's jump into that conversation I had with Mitch from Emerson Custom. So here we go. All right. Welcome to Tonecast 69, as I said in the intro. I'm here with Mitch from Emerson Custom. Mitch, how are you today? Good, man. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm good. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show. I, I know that uh, we have caught up a few times through this crazy year, just checking in with each other and seeing how we're doing. And um, kind of had a, you know, what are we doing with our life's conversation recently, you know, about like yeah. where we're going with our businesses and, and what we're supposed to be doing, you know, with our families and all sorts of stuff. And, and that's been, that's been the theme of our podcast this year. And I, I brought you up to speed a little bit before we hit record, but um, th- we're just trying to talk with people who are going through this year and how they're managing it. It's, it's kind of like, a lot of people, you know, looking for obviously a positive spin on some of the crazy stuff that's going on, but but also just sharing their experiences and sharing how they're dealing with it, and and, and talking guitar and, and getting into the fun stuff um, eventually as well. So 
I want to go back a little bit. How long have, have you been, or how long has Emerson Custom existed? When did you guys start? You know, I started it as a hobby in 2009, in the fall of 2009. Um, <clears throat> I was just doing like parts casters before parts casters was like really cool. <laughs> um, so it was kind of before the parts casters boom. So it didn't really do that well for us. And, uh, I was about to, uh, pan that whole thing. And then, uh, the pre-wired kits thing took off. So kind of just morphed from that into building kits. Yeah. So did you kind of, uh, obviously you wired up the guitars yourself and then did you look at that and say, Oh, well, maybe I could just sell those. Is that kind of how the, the pre-wired kits came to existence? So I actually was terrible at wiring. Like that was one of my major shortfalls. Um, when I first started out and, uh, it took me like five hours, like no lie, like five hours to wire this strat. It wasn't like a standard strat, but it was like a rerouted booty P90 strat. So, I mean, it was a little bit out of the ordinary, but nothing like that should have taken five hours. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like super pissed off and, um, I was like, okay, my OC was pissing me off. And so I was like, all right, I got to get better at this. And, um, so I just challenged myself to get better at it and like really focused on that. And then, um, there was a, a guy, um, that, uh, used to run a music store when I was growing up, a younger dude, maybe, uh, four or five years older than me. He, uh, he was actually like starting the tour and we reconnected and he's like, Hey, will you, uh, build me a pre-wired kit? Cause I guess I had, I don't know mentioned something that I was like doing those. And so I did, and he's like, Dude, these, these are really nice. So, um, it just kind of, it was kind of like word of mouth at first and then, um, just kind of took off and, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kinda. That's cool. Like it sounds like a, we have a lot of crossover in terms of like messing with guitars early on and then something coming out of that for us, it was pickups. Um, you know, we, yeah. we thought we could just make everything ourselves and it would be so much cheaper and easier. And little did, you know, little did we know, like you dealt with, with the wiring stuff. It's like, it can be a nightmare to try to like do everything yourself right away. Oh yeah. And yeah. So that, so the guitars kind of like existed for a little bit, but then the pre-wire kits kind of started building some momentum in the early days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we maybe built like a total of 30 guitars over like three years, three and a half years. And it's funny because now, like, I've probably gotten the same email like 20 times. Like, hey, can you tell me about this or that guitar? And it's like the same, like, three or four serial numbers that have been floating around. <laughs> they just keep getting resold um, over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a really cool guitar. But just like with anything, like, value is subjective, like, to, like, if no one knows about it, it's like you know, the resale value is going to suck, you yeah, know? Yeah, right. right. And, and like, nobody knew about us then. And uh, so, like, I get an email a lot like, hey, this has your old logo on it. Is this fake? Like, you know, <laughs> like, did, <laughs> what's going on here? And so I'll kind of have to film and No, it's not fake. We used to build parts casters and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't... I, 
kind of veering off here. What was the question? Sorry. Oh no, I just uh, just like as you as you kind of like morphed into the the pre-wired kits, like those started building the momentum, and at some point you kind of did you kind of make that decision to to you know shift your focus to those or as the guitars kind oh, yeah. of you know I don't know fizzled out fizzled out is the right word but as you moved moved towards the pre-wired kits those became um became like the focus for the business in the earlier days right for sure yeah it was one of those things where like uh I, I, you know it's funny like and I'm sure you felt this too um like after you kill a project then you finally get people interested in it. And you're just like, <laughs> where were you? You know, like, where yeah. were you? Yeah. Like I had, uh, like canceled all the guitar stuff. Like finally, I was, you know, thinking about doing it for a while, but I finally made the decision and, and basically made it where I like tied my hands so that I wouldn't get back into it. And I had a dealer like one order, like 10 guitars after I had already like closed up that part of the business. And I was just like, nope. I would, you know, the money would be nice, but like, I was really burnt out by it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, um, I was tired of parts casters before they were like the craze, you know? And so, um, it just didn't inspire me. I was like, I really don't want my name on something that doesn't inspire me. Like money is not my primary motivator. And so like, as a builder, like I want my art form or my like creativeness to be like portrayed in what we build. And I just didn't feel like that was the proper, uh, proper outlet for like what, how my brain is geared and like, you know, like what my hands want to build. Like there, there wasn't like at that time I couldn't afford a CNC machine. So like we had a, a shop that was doing that for us. And there was a lot of like hands-on work after it, you know, got off the mill and whatnot, but it was just really annoying. There's too many people touching it. Like I didn't have a paint shop either because Oklahoma is like so humid, like trying to spray nitro here yeah. is uh, just asking for trouble. <laughs> and so I, I outsourced that to a dude that was really good at, um, at, at finishing, but he kept running into issues with like the finish and, you know, he was having that. It was just taking forever, and it was just a pain in the butt. So I was like, all right. I had um, a dealer in Australia that was keeping us busy, um, and then there was, like, a dude in Japan. I didn't get along with him great, but, I mean, it was steady work. And then um, uh, I think a, a mutual dealer of ours, Upfront Guitars. Yeah. Um, I think they're, like, in Massachusetts or something. Um, we've been working with them for like at least like eight years, eight, eight and a half years. But I remember, you know, back in the day when you're hustling, you're like cold, it's cold calling, but I didn't call them. I just emailed them. And I was like, Hey, we'd like for you to be a dealer of our products. And I was like emailing him on vacation, you know, like <laughs> nowadays if I take a vacation, like my phone is getting locked in the truck and I'm like not looking at it. Cause I just... I'm like past that point of hustling. Yeah. Yeah. But in those days, like I was still working a day job and I was like trying to figure it out where I could, uh, um, I could, uh, you know, go do that full time. So they actually emailed me back and, uh, um, we're like, yeah, we'd love to, 
love to uh, um, carry your stuff. So it was really cool. Like we still work with them and they're, they're amazing. Um, like, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, you get, get some momentum there and it just goes from there, you know, it takes off. So it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. You got to find that first, first or second person to like believe in you because that, that's like, that that's like the encouragement too, right? It's like you're chasing yeah. you're chasing this dream of yours to like start a company and and uh, you get a lot of no's and at some point you're just you know not maybe not quite ready to throw in the towel, but it's it's a little discouraging, right? To get to get a bunch of no's or like hey, I don't know about this stuff or or whatever. Um, that's awesome to to kind of hear that like kind of beginnings because I think it's important to like not forget the people that kind of gave you that first shot and, and, you know, mentioned upfront guitars. I love those guys. They're also big, big dealers of uh, our pickups and our guitars as well. And, and yeah. uh, they just, just good dudes. And like, you kind of end up gravitating to these, these people who are, you know, really no different than you trying to make it work. They're, they're selling stuff that people build, but, and you're building stuff for them to sell. And it's kind of like, you sort of have this common bond of, you know, we're in this together. We're, we're trying to figure this out. We're trying to navigate this weird music industry. And, and, um, you know, even into this year, it's like all this weird stuff that's going on with the virus and, and the gear industry. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second too, because I'm curious, um, kind of your, how you have handled that as a company. Um, but yeah, so that those early days, I'm always like, I love the early day stories from, you know, the bigger businesses to, to uh, all sorts of sizes of businesses. Like, you know, how did you get to the point of like, okay, you're moving some stuff, you got some dealers on board, but you said you're still working a day job. So what was the, yeah, what was the jump point like for you when you're like, okay, I'm going to either do this full time or I'm just going to keep doing two things. Yeah. So at the, my day job that I was working, I was putting in probably like 50 hours a week, which may not seem like a lot, but then when you're coming home and you're hustling, like it's a lot, you know, on the side. Yeah. And so, um, like my wife and I got married pretty young. And so, uh, we were trying to start a family pretty early on. And, uh, I think we were trying to like, I don't know. We immediately started trying, like after, we, as soon as we got married, we we're just like, let's do this, you know? And, uh, we just could, couldn't conceive. And then finally, um, after a couple of years, um, she's like, she surprised me one morning and like, she never got up early before I, like I always left the house early before she woke up and she, uh, like I got out of the shower and she was up and she surprised me with this test. And, uh, you know, she was like, we're pregnant, like freaking out, you know, cause I had promised her before we got married. Like as soon as we finally have a kid, like uh, she can quit her job and stay home because you know that was like a dream that we had because yeah. uh, my mom did it and her mom did not stay home but that was like literally her her mom's biggest regret in life was working instead of staying home with the kids so it was like one of those uh you know moments where you gotta you gotta cash that check that you wrote a long time ago, you know. <laughs> See if you you can back up your mouth, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was like a big. It was like, oh crap! Like, you know, the pressure's on, kind of deal. 
And so at that point, like I was pretty decently busy with pre-wire kits, but it was nothing like crazy. And so she told me, she's like, all right, we're pregnant. You can either figure this guitar thing out and like turn it into something that, you know, we could live off of, or you can, you know, keep your day job and then go work at FedEx in the evenings or something. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. But, (laughs) you know, if I have to, I will. And so um, that was like in, I think, like March or April. And so, like, that morning, that same morning, I like, it just so happened that, like, the owner of our company was in uh, in town, and I went and told him, you know, like, my, hey, my wife's pregnant, and uh, will you give me a raise? Because I hadn't gotten a raise in a while, and I was in sales, and I wasn't commission-based, but I was doing a really good job. And he literally gave me, like, a dollar raise, and I was like, that's stupid, man. Like, that's, thank you, but, like, that's not, like, nearly what I need. So, I was like, all right, um, I got to figure this out. So, um, long story short, like, a couple months later, for some reason, I had never gotten into pedals, but I started tweaking around with this, uh, like, this circuit that I was messing around with. And within, like, a couple weeks, I had, like, a working prototype of, like, the first version of the M-Drive. And, um, I was playing at, uh, like the, our, the church we'd been going to, I was playing for like the youth on Wednesday night, um, just real chill. And like, we could be decently loud, but like not loud enough to like really crank your amp and get like that good, you know, that good breakup. And so like we had tried like, you know, the Timmy and the morning glory and like the sparkle drive whatever by booty lab like that was real hot then and uh like uh we're constantly screwing around stuff and then i brought that m drive prototype and like the uh the guy that was was leading it was like dude what is that sounds so good and i was like oh i built it and then um that uh within like a couple weeks i was like all right i'm gonna make like 50 of these And so I built 50 of them and, you know, I'd never made even like 50 of a certain pre-wired kit at the same time. (laughs) I didn't know how to like work in like batches, you know? So I like, there was this powder coat shop, you know, like 20 minutes from my house and they were like big oil industry people and like working on pipeline stuff. And then the other thing they would run every day was like tomato cages super random <laughs> weird but like so our stuff like would be in between like pipeline parts and like tomato cages on the the powder coat line and uh like they're always messing stuff up and they didn't care because i you know was just doing like 50 pieces and so we, you know we always had like major blends and whatnot so but uh yeah i built 50 and they were sold out in three weeks and i was just like what the heck and then um so I think that was like end of August. And then we had our baby in November and uh, the pre-wire kits were picking up. And, and uh, so that was, yeah, like the fall of 2012. And uh, I remember that like, it was just so crazy. Thankfully my boss at the time was like really supportive and he like knew that 
like I was on my phone all the freaking time, but he like didn't get pissed off at me. Um, cause I was like trying to answer emails and like hustle and stuff. And, uh, that next June, um, I think it was, yeah, June sometime of 2013, I quit my job. My wife had been staying home for like six or seven months. So, I mean, like pretty scary, you know, sole income, just walk away from that. I've been there for like four years and, uh, started doing Emerson and, uh, here we are. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I think that the, the crossover is similar to us and we had, um, we had just had our first son and we were like, same deal. It's like, I'd like my wife to stay home. I don't really know how to make this work. And, um, you know, by the first couple of years of the the early part of the business, as we were trying to figure out when to make the jump, it was like, you know, convert the, we had a tiny house. And so it was like, convert this kid's room, you know, after nap time, then it gets converted back to the pickup shop. And, and then, you know, when it's bedtime, we got to reset it, you know, set the crib back up. And like, it was crazy the first couple of years of like, just trying to make it work. And we hired our first guy and he was working in our garage and, and he was like 10 degrees out in the winter. And so we would, yeah. we would start the heater like an hour before he came to work. We're like, Hey, can you make some bobbins in the garage today? And, and I just remember those early years is like, man, this is like, this is not really going to work very long term, but, but I know that motivation of like, Hey, we got to make this work. Cause I think this is like something I, I want to do and uh, similar values for me in terms of like keeping my wife home and, and now she actually helps with the business. So it's kind of a, kind of a cool deal, but, um, let's, yeah. jump, let's jump into the, um, kind of the big subject of this year with, which is kind of the, the virus situation. So here we are, like we went to the NAM show this year in January and it was like, all right, we're doing NAM, we're promoting our guitars and our pickups and it's going to be an awesome year. And then slowly but surely things get kind of like turned upside down. So talk to me about when, when the, the whole news and the shutdown kind of thing happened and, and kind of what was your first uh, reaction to, to how you were going to go forward at that point? Yeah. So, um, like we have, I didn't even know this, but, uh, uh, our, I said, I didn't know it. Their address was in my FedEx account, you know, like we shipped to them a lot, but, uh, like our pedals, like the actual surrogate boards were, uh, populated and soldered in Wuhan, China. Mm. Like they have been for years. We've used like us shops before, but it's like literally like, two to three times the price for like, they're literally ordering the boards from China and then using these same exact, you know, surface mount machines, the wave solders that the place in China uses the same components, you know, like I'm ordering it from Mauser or DigiKey or Aero or whatever, then I'm shipping it to China. They're, you know, using their soldering, you know, big pick and plates machine and, and getting it done. And I had a batch of um, uh, jack boards. There's like two parts to our pedals. There's like a main board that has like the actual effect on it. And then we have like this jack board that is universal for all of our pedals. So like it's connected with the ribbon cable. So that specific part we can use on all of our pedals. I had like, I think a thousand of those in production over in Wuhan. And I just, you know, I'd buy the parts from Mauser. We'd, uh, you know, spec it out and then I'd ship the, the 
actual loose parts over to Wuhan and they throw them on their, their CNC machine and mount them to the circuit boards. Well, the, I couldn't get a straight answer from them cause they were late on like when they were supposed to ship. And, uh, I was like, this is weird. Cause normally they like would answer within like 10, 15 minutes and they're like, Oh, it'll ship today. You know, kind of deal. Well, that was like middle January. And I don't know. I just had this weird feeling like what is going on? And so I started doing a little poking around and it like hadn't hit any of the mainstream news yet, but there was like reports of like weird stuff going on in China. And then like, there was uh stuff of like, it's centered in Wuhan. I was like, man, that's weird. And then I looked at my FedEx address book and I was like, crap, this is like in Wuhan and our parts are in Wuhan. So I was like, well, that's amazing. Like I just have like $10,000 sitting over there of stuff I've already paid for. And even if they could ship it, like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I don't even know like how deadly or whatever this is. So, um, I was like, even if they do ship it, I'm going to have it like shipped to like a warehouse in like Oklahoma city, like two hours from here. Cause I don't want to touch it, you know, just to be safe yeah. at that point, you know, I was thinking it was like some like, um, Dawn of the Dead zombie thing, you know, like we're all gonna die, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right, it's like right. even if you like look at it, you die, you know. Like I didn't know how, whatever. So I was just trying to be cautious, you know. So it was early on. I was like, crap, like man, I'm gonna have to spend money to replace this because even if we finally get it, like I'm not gonna touch it for months. So it was kind of frustrating early on just because like it, we had a bunch of pedals in the works and I was waiting on that part. So we had to, had to reorder all the parts and we had, uh, those boards made in, um, Kansas city. And we had it like, we specifically told them like, we don't want these boards, the circuit boards to be made in China. Like they have to be made here just cause we were trying to keep people safe. Like that was like literally, I remember this was like February. So even before like anybody was talking about it and I was just like, I just want to be safe. Like I'd feel really bad if, you know, we built this pedal and somehow, you know, somebody got this little amoeba on their finger after plugging in their input jack, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, I would feel really crappy knowing, like knowing that I knew that there was a risk and I didn't do anything about it. So it was, uh, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, well, not only that, like, I don't want to like our own shop or our family to get sick. So we just like, uh, held those parts off. And then finally, I think they shipped in like end of March or whatever. And we waited like two months. And then after like waiting two months, we ran them through like a UV oven to like burn off any whatever, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, like, uh, I guess I'm chasing a rabbit here, but it was like, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I kind of knew earlier than most, like something was going on. And so uh, I was in like major prep mode. I was like, all right, we need like all this food, all this water, you know, all this stuff. Um, like we live on eight acres out in the country. And so 
like uh i was like all right we're gonna go get some more chickens because like we have <laughs> chickens already but i was like we're gonna we're gonna start another batch for you know for eggs and whatnot trying to be you know as self-sufficient as possible and like we had been meaning to start a garden for several years but we just you know we have four kids and just a lot of work so we finally did that and um yeah so i guess to answer your question at first it was like major freak out like running around buying a bunch of you know food and just getting stuff situated and then um and then i i kind of feel like you know when everybody else was freaking out like i was already like calmed down so it was like you already did all your, all your freaking out before before it was yeah. cool right <laughs> yeah, yeah like i remember my wife was like babe like what's wrong i was like i know this sounds so stupid but like costco used to be my favorite store because i'm like such a dad you know and i was like costco's limiting toilet paper <laughs> like you know because i'd like order it on my phone they're like it's they're limiting it and i remember like freaking out she's like babe would it make you feel better if we took a trip to costco and i was like yes <laughs> she's like here's the, here's the snickers calm down you that's know? right that's right yeah. yeah so then so as you got like through that initial like all right we gotta there's gonna be adjustments it's gonna be weird and there's no you know there's no predictable outcome at this point and so kind of as as you jumped into like how you ran your business um did that change at all or did you kind of just keep your head down and and keep keep rocking through most of it or how did you kind of manage that part of it yeah so thankfully like my shop is like 100 feet in front of my house so um like i think oklahoma had like a soft like it wasn't like you're gonna get arrested if you're traveling or whatever if you're going to work but it was just kind of one of those things that like early on, we really didn't know how bad it was going to be. And so like we had two guys working with us. Um, it was me, Luke and Kyler and Luke's wife works at the, the mall. And so, um, you know, I was just like, well, bro, why don't you just take work home and you can like, you know, I'll give you like a crap ton of like all the parts and you can just, you know, like one week, I think I had them build like, a ton of whatever kit, you know, maybe a bunch of strats and tellies. And then he'd come back on like a Saturday, drop those off and pick up some other stuff. So it was kind of at first, like one of those things where like, not necessarily for safety reasons. Like, I mean, we've been working together for like seven years. So, I mean, we see each other every day. So it's like, you know, I'm not <laughs> really concerned about him getting me sick. Sure, sure. But it was just like your wife's at home. Like you can, you know, why don't you just stay with her? And cause at that point there was like a bunch of uncertainty and like that was before all the rioting and everything and all the craziness, but still I was just like, you know, we'll just like figure this out. So for like maybe two months, um, like he worked from home and Kyler did too. And, uh, you know, I was still at the shop just by myself, just getting stuff done. But it, it was just, it was really tough because like, I mean, obviously if a business is closed, they're not going to be reordering, you know, but uh, it was one of those things where, you know, like thankfully we had some backup, like some ketchup orders to work on for like Sweetwater and like Stumac and whatnot. But it was pretty scary there for a little bit. Cause I was like, man, like I 
don't want to like reorder all this inventory or all these parts that we need for inventory if you know nobody's gonna be around in six months to buy this stuff yeah it's not like i know that sounds morbid but i mean like like their business is being open to spend money with us so it was uh it really bottlenecked us because i was like you know i can't commit to you know we forecasted you know blank and we're seeing like literally all this fall off a cliff so how do i adjust you know yeah and so it was like one of those things where you know you try and you try and plan and uh in this case um you know instead of like growing more than you expected it like literally hit a wall and you're just like crap and where's that yeah get kind of forced to go into the day by day or week by week mode instead of like here's what we're doing this fall and here's what we're doing you know like even now we're hearing about all the the you know the nam shows being canceled even next january's nam being canceled and and like people you know at at one point it maybe not as much as as it was but a lot of people release their products at nam and they would just wait wait till the show because it was this big momentum thing and you get all these people in person to come and see the see the product and now I'm seeing like these virtual releases and and new things that are coming up for companies and they're just finding their own ways to kind of announce that that a new product exists and it's kind of like the the traditional ways of doing things have have obviously shifted a lot this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I I've kind of always thought that the whole business model of NAM is definitely outdated in the age of social media. Um like it I mean, it's cool to hang out with people, but uh, it's like there's a way cheaper and better way to like roll this out because like I would say like 99% of the people that want to see like what you're releasing are not actually at the show. So um, and then the people that are at the show usually know about it before it hits. So it's like not really that big of a secret to the people you're actually selling to. So, um, I don't know. I mean, just from like a pure, like, uh, efficiency standpoint, like I'm all for like, Hey, like if you want to hang out, that's fine. But like, uh, like actually spending thousands of dollars and cramming, you know, all of these people from all over the world into this building. And even then, you know, like, I mean, I went in like 2017, to the winter nam show for the first time and i remember like when i came home like i had like a cough that i couldn't like couldn't get rid of for like a week you know so so i don't know it's just it's <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah i mean we were at you know at the nam show and there was some some obviously in the january time frame there was like hey something's going on and and something's coming we don't know when and yet yet here we are with the show at the show with people from all around the world and and uh, it was a little bit weird for us, and and thankfully none of yeah. you know none of our guys got got sick or anything like that. You know, regular namthrax they call it <laughs> that uh, right. that we got. But yeah. it was just interesting to see to to see that was like you know we had no idea that that was going to be one of the last like big big events in the music industry, like concerts, everything. Like there was yeah. you know, maybe a few more months of concerts, and then they all went away. Um, so like as, sure. as you look at this industry and realizing like it's changing, um, kind of what keeps you, um, what keeps you, you know, the itch scratched and what's, you know, what keeps the creativity flowing as you're like looking at how 
Emerson fits in with, um, you know, the industry and what the industry needs? Yeah. So to answer that truthfully, um, I'm honestly, I think we were actually talking on the phone about this the other day. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in a season where I'm just like literally wore out. Like I am mentally and physically drained. A lot of that has to do with like, you know, we're homeschooling this year. I mean, we started homeschooling even before like school started closing last year, but our spring break in our state actually hit like the week before, like they asked everybody to like do that two week stay at home thing. And so I told my wife to order some, uh, homeschool curriculum because I was like, the school, I kept asking them like, Hey, are we coming back after spring break? And they're like, we don't know. And I was like, well, pretty sure, you know, you were not. So I just told her to order homeschool stuff. Well, so, you know, when you're used to, um, being, having a little bit of, uh, mental clarity away from your kids, you know, for <laughs> several hours a day <laughs> yeah. to, um, you know, this whole, um, thing where, uh, you're around them 24 seven. And not only that, you know, like, um, you know, I like constantly, I'm like my kids, you know, since it's at my shop at my house or you know on our property, my kids will, uh, will run in the shop. Like, and I have like those little Werther's original candies and like a little, like other candies that I'll like throw in with orders and stuff. And they're like, dad, dad, can I have some candy? And like literally like three times a day. And I'm just like, get out of here. Like I'm trying to focus. <laughs> and, and, uh, I'm like, I'm on the phone, leave me alone, you know? And they're all, yeah. So it's just, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm like, I, as I'm sure everybody, but like, it's just like this year has been mentally exhausting. Um, you know, so like, honestly, uh, I'm just kind of like in one of those, like trying to play catch up, like, you know, we're super behind right now. And typically like, we'd be like freaking out, like, how are we going to fill these holiday orders? And I'm just like, bro, like, how am I going to just like, get this stuff done because uh like i'm not like i i don't even think we're gonna even do anything for black friday like i'm so behind i'm just like not gonna even make a deal out of it for like the first time ever yeah and you're like like, you're heading into this whole thing like saying hey i think this is how it's gonna go and then it turns out it like hasn't slowed down for a lot of people that i've talked to um you know in in our business we've been really busy and and it sounds like you guys have been super busy through this whole thing which is you know a blessing obviously to to you know <laughs> it's it's far from the worst case scenario that went through our heads in in terms of like working at McDonald's <laughs> and all the other stuff right, right? <laughs> yeah know? but yeah. but now you're forced to deal with as a business owner and i think that one of the things i would like to to let people in on is like man this is like we love what we do uh we don't regret going into work we love our work um but it doesn't mean that it's not really hard and really challenging sometimes i think it just it kick, it kind of kicks your butt from time to time in different seasons and 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 definitely i mean in a fam, you know familiar spot with you there in terms of okay, how are we going to make stuff go forward how are we going to fit stuff together um you know maybe it's like the business version of the midlife crisis um, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, but yeah, no. We're gonna go You're buy right. like a a purple uh, 
machine to put in the shop, like <laughs> instead of the purple Porsche or whatever people buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid- <laughs> midlife crisis. I don't, I don't know if they buy anymore at midlife crisis, but um, yeah. So, so then as you're as you're looking forward and you're saying, okay, like we know who we are. We know you've been doing this long enough. You kind of know like your your purpose, if you will. Um, now it's about making it all fit, right? Making it all work and yeah. putting the things together yeah. and, and serving those customers that obviously want your product. Yeah. And you know, it's tough because, you know, like, you know, it was like everybody like was not spending money, you know, for, for quite a while. Like it literally fell off a cliff. And then, um, cause we, I mean, we've like, literally there's like two times in the last 10 years, especially since I went full time that we've been slow. And one of them was my own fault because it was like when we were building our shop, like I literally just like ignored emails and like, I wasn't really pushing anything on our website because I was literally building our shop. I, I was doing all the general contracting and doing a lot of, um, like most all of the, like the cleanup and, you know, we're building our shop and our house at the same time. So that was like, huge construction project and um so like you know it's kind of one of those things where if you don't have anything new or you're not tending to the business it's just going to kind of fizzle out and so that happened like four years ago and so we were slow for like two months until i like got my butt in the gear and like was like all right that was a mistake like i can't do that again you know and so um but yeah like we went like we you know stuff fell off a cliff and then, um, you know, some states started reopening and then, uh, you know, like the Trump bucks thing came out, you know, and, uh, like the people started getting money put in their accounts and uh, it was just like nonstop. And then stores were reopening. Like we had a bunch of stores that were like, Hey, we have this on order with you, but don't ship it till we tell you to. So like, we were just, we had bunches of boxes on our shelves that were already packed up, but, uh, they were just waiting. And, um, yeah, I guess I, I think I finally figured it out. You know, people are, you know, home more now or they're working from home or, you know, they're um, they're in a spot where they're like, man, like I need something to do. And so they're working on their guitars now. They're finally like, you know, and modding their guitars or, you know, working on stuff. And I guess the most frustrating thing about it all is like, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but like Amazon has... Br- has ruined the expectation uh, of the <laughs> yes. consumer yeah. for like people that like make things by hand, like probably like 98% of the stuff sold on Amazon is like made in the sweatshop, you know, and overseas. And that's not the case with our products or your products. Like it literally, you know, it's made by hand. Um, there's a lot of, you know, attention that goes into that, that, you know, can't be done by a robot can't be automated yeah definitely and so going from like a complete standstill to like hey we want all the things that you could ever produce we want them right now you know like there was a there was a and i hit that wall a lot but you just like you're faced with this um this whole thing of uh it's almost like a paralysis of indecision like you can't even make any decisions because there's too many options like there's too many you know (laughs) uncertainties where you're just like i don't know what to do you know 
And uh, so I struggled with that for a little bit. And then, you know, like it, it's like every week, it, you know, I get stressed out, you know, on different days because, you know, we have n- not only retailers, but we have, you know, customers that I just can't get to because, you know, they're, they're they might want something that is similar to, you know, what we build, but it's a little different and it's going to, you know, require me to modify it or whatever. And, you know, I had a lot of our big retailers want to go ahead and book their holiday orders like in like June and July, which is just insane. Like normally they're emailing me in October and be like, Hey man, we want this stuff. And they were planning that like six months in advance, which is just insane. So we were already like booked up and then everybody's like, has all this free time and wanting to, you know, work on their guitars. And I'm like, man, I am sorry, but like, I cannot help you. Like, I know that might sound rude, but it's just like, there's like two guys in our shop, myself included, that build these pre-wire kits. So there's like only so much that we can build, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to figure out how to to take that step, right? That you got all those decisions and you're like, what is step one? Because there's like, 50 stairs in front of me and I got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Think, I think for me too, is like the importance of like kind of unplugging and doing something else, like getting off social media and getting, it's just like oh, yeah. dialing in on what we're supposed to do with these businesses. Cause we care about our products. We care about the customers that are getting them. Um, but you're right. It sometimes is, it can kind of swallow you up if you're not careful for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we both talked about like, uh, like I, I haven't been on Facebook since last year and I'm sure there's like a bunch of messages on there from like people wanting to talk to me, but I'm just like, I'm out, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like what you're already up to your, uh, you know, up to your ears in, in stuff and decision-making as a business leader. And then you're, you're like, I don't really want any outside noise that may come in or I don't want to, you know, this crazy situation to be dropped on my plate which often happens sometimes in social media. So it's like, it seems better to kind of narrow that focus and get, get away from it a little bit. Um, so I want to, I want to end the show with, uh, just a couple, a couple questions for you. And just a couple of things that, okay. that I was thinking about asking you, um, nothing, nothing crazy, but, uh, kind of what, uh, what guitars are you digging right now that you've got? Yeah. So, um, I probably have, I don't know, like 12 to, 15 guitars in my personal collection. Um, I was up to like 22 at one point, but um, I'm honestly in this kind of, I was going to throw this in, but I kept ranting on that whole, like what keeps you going type deal. (laughs) Um, This whole year I've like really been into acoustics. um, To be honest, I, uh, I got a Taylor 717 last fall and uh it's like that honey burst like that builder's edition or whatever and uh it sounds really really cool um and i have like a gs mini that is like above my computer um and like the main part of the shop that i'll maybe pick up you know once or twice a week like i never pick up guitars anymore but when i do it's most always an acoustic so I don't have to fiddle with, you know, like plugging it in or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. There's just something raw about an acoustic, a well-made acoustic that, you know, I'm just into. Yeah. Um, 
don't know. That's cool. And and it's just like one of those things. Like it is it is so related. So sometimes sometimes it's hard to remember to like just play. But it's a good thing to just play instead of making yeah products for other guitars all the time. Like it's this yeah. weird, it's this weird vortex that we live in, right? You're you're making something that's cool that's going to go in someone else's guitar, but but you're not playing guitar yourself, and you're not remaining inspired if you're not careful, you know. And like that's why we do what we do is to keep people inspired to play guitar. But then it's like if you're not inspired yourself, then you're actually going down the wrong path. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'd never want to become that accountant that is uh, designing robot tuners, you know, like making really <laughs> poor business decisions sure. because I'm so unplugged from reality. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. So, so as we kind of finish up here, what, um, what makes, um, what makes a good, like, why would someone want to consider like a pre-wired kit? What, what is the reason they would want to put one of those in their guitar? Yeah. So, um, electronics, are you know basic are they part of your signal chain you know most people when they're like oh i want to make this guitar sound better they ultimately think pickups you know and so like that's probably one of the first things besides strings that they consider when they're you know upgrading or you know trying to make their guitar sound better um so they'll you know they'll throw in pickups but you know um like electronics are one of the ways that um, factories can save on, you know, ex- in a, an expense. They can not only uh, can they use crappy components, they can, well, uh, most of the time they employ people in that department that should never be touching a soldering iron. And so they're doing things very poorly and i'm not knocking the people at the factory it's just it's one of those things where you know like um if you look under the hood of like a ferrari it looks way different than like a you know like a prius you know i know that's a poor example because priuses probably look pretty cool but like back (laughs) in the day like a, a geo metro you know it looked pretty flimsy you know but then you like look under the hood of an a nice muscle car and everything is like well laid out and you know, it's like uh properly shielded, you know, like, I mean, I don't know car terms, but like, you know, like the wiring is not just all over the place, you know, like it's well routed from, you know, the control panel to whatever part of the engine that it's going to, you know, it's like laid out in a manner where like that specific thing is not going to get overheated or that cable is not going to get burned up you know, after like 20,000 miles. So there's just a, you know, it's kind of like a mindset of like, you know, like how can we do this to make the players, you know, overall experience better? Um, You know, like we take into uh, account, like a lot of factors, like, uh, you know, just like trying to make things as universally easy as possible. And so, like we're constantly thinking of like, okay, so typically, you know, like, like on our strat through our kits, like we leave that middle lug on the volume pot unsoldered because, you know, you got to throw your input jack hot there, you know? And like, I'll get that email a lot. Like, Hey, you forgot to solder this. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Like if I soldered that, you would be cussing at me because you'd have to unsolder it 
And, uh, like, and they're like, Oh, thank you. And I was like, yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> I may, I, guess I may have thought question, this out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess to answer your question, it's like, it's, uh, it's one of those things where like, no, it's not just like a fancy, like hipster product. Like, you know, we've been doing it for like 10 years. We're, we're known for it. Um, you know, we have like our own pots and caps and like wire, um, that's, you know, made to our specific, you know, um, the way we want it, you know, you can't just buy the same wire that we use off the shelf. Um, it's just one of those things where like, when you want, when you're like at that next step of like, you know, I kind of compare it to like an acoustic. If you can't tell the difference in sound between like a, an acoustic with like a, you know, with that's not solid, that's not like all solid woods or even one with a, not a solid top, you know, it's like all laminate, you know, if you can't tell the difference in like feel and sound in one of those compared with like a, you know, just say, you know, like all solid wood, whatever, then you probably would not appreciate like the nuances of like our product. But for people that, you know, like, like the finer things, you know, or just like, you know, want that extra, you know, little, um, the little details that you would get from maybe a new set of pickups or whatever, like when you're, when you're breaking it down to that level, the little details do make it a difference and it is all subjective to the end user because everybody's ears are different. But, you know, I would say that we're doing something right by, by being able to stay busy and, you know, be so booked up for, you know, like 10 years. So yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's about like, it's about finding a good match in terms of the taper of the pots and the, and the, the reading of the pots is actually close to what it's supposed to be. Um, you're not getting right. a, a 500k pot that's 350 or something like that, which, right. which yeah. happens because there's not uh, there's not quality of mind through the process, and I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why it's gone, you know, it's gone well from from my outside perspective, and obviously, like a lot of people do buy both of our products at the same time to put together, and then we we both recommend <laughs> we we both recommend doing that if you're looking to overhaul a whole guitar, one of our pickup sets, and in one of the uh, pre-wired kits from Emerson is uh, it's definitely a good idea. But uh, yeah, I appreciate having you on the show today. It was good to catch up and uh, kind of walk through a lot of this stuff. And um, hopefully those who have listened will will go check you guys out online. Um, also available at a lot, of, a lot of major retailers if you're looking for something that uh, is in stock and ready to go. Um, there's a lot of uh, Emerson products out there, including pedals and things like that. that we, we didn't even get into the pedals too much other than just kind of the the story of the beginning, but, uh, we'll have to do that for another show because we're kind of out of time here, but, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate having yeah, you on sure. and, uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man, definitely. And, and check those guys out, emersoncustom.com and, and also some social media things, but, uh, obviously we, we just talked about social media and how it's kind of annoying right now. So, um, you may or may <laughs> not find real, uh, recent content on there. I can't promise anything. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think we've posted anything to Facebook in like probably like 10, uh, 12 months. And then uh, Instagram, I think I logged off in like April or whatever. But yeah, if you want to reach out to us, just shoot us an email um, on our website and we'll get back to you. Awesome. Yeah, that's the best way to do it for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Mitch. And we'll yeah. uh, we'll catch you guys yeah, next time you. on the Tonecast. All right. Sounds good.